Hello, horror fans. It's me, Cassandra, and Zane. And today on the Horrorcraft Podcast, we are doing a deep dive on the Lost Boys. Um, personal favorite. Yes, I think it's a favorite of a lot of people. It just represents oh, yeah. like your adolescence in a way I guess the Lost Boys does a really good job of like touching on things that a lot of people are dealing with growing up um and I think that pairs well with the fact that it's called the Lost Boys because obviously like Peter Pan reference and never growing up and stuff like that but um it's just an amazing movie so um you know close your curtains sit back relax sit in the dark and pop join us popcorn. <laughs> pop some maybe not some popcorn order some chinese uh, just just watch out for the maggots Get some food <laughs> yeah yeah just watch out for the maggots um and and worms. and worms and uh dive in with us so let's go ahead and cue the music <laughs> All right, horror fans, before we get started, we are going to hear um, some thoughts from our friend, Michael Cooper, Michael W. Cooper, um, as he goes by his professional name. He is the author of the Dark Gospels trilogy and was just on recently, Um, but he loves the Lost Boys and has some um, good thoughts, stories, opinions um about lost boys and we just wanted to include it so um we're going to go ahead and add that um as always um this is just his opinions or his feelings um so we're just going to let him say what he wants to say right right so uh we're going to go ahead and cue up his uh messages so let's get into it Lost Boys in its theatrical run. I was 15 years old. Absolutely loved it. About the novelization, which expands on the story a little bit. There's not a a lot of difference between the novel and the movie. Just a few expansions here and there. Um, and I got the soundtrack, obviously. Uh, one of the things that really impressed me was that the vampires were, they were sexy, but they weren't exotic um sexy vampires had been explored many times before but there was always some exotic element about them uh but these were vampires that looked like kids that you would actually see that you might actually know i mean of course they were the cool kids and they had nice clothes and things like that but you know it was possible you could see uh kids like this you know it, it where I'm from and you know where I lived it wasn't uh it wasn't likely that I would run into some exotic countess or or some baron from a foreign country or some dealer of exotic antiques or you know some you know reclusive professor or something like that so it made it uh, the story very relatable the characters uh worked on uh, couple of different levels the humor and the horror worked very well together i really love the line when the frog brothers are running out you know after they've confronted the lost boys and uh and one of them says we blew it man we crumbled and and uh feldman says 
shut up. <laughs> they pulled the mind scramble on us. They opened their eyes and talked. I mean, I absolutely... Hello, George. George is in the room with me today, and he thinks it's funny, too. I absolutely lost it when I heard that the first time, and I still... I still love that line. And that's one thing about Lost Boys and that revisiting it as an adult, it still works for me. It still has the funny, but also kind of, no, well, not really scary for me because I've watched a million and one horror films, but it still has that kind of spooky atmosphere. And um, I really enjoyed that. That's another thing too, in that the vampires were sexy and attractive but they were also a threat they were also dangerous and they were monstrous they didn't stray over the line like they did later to where they kind of became almost too innocuous these were still monsters i mean they 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 were pleasing to the eye you know they could still you know talk to you and and beguile you enough to where they could bring you into the fold, but they were still deadly. And I think that was a balance that worked very well in the film's favor. The score worked really well. The songs chosen uh, worked really well. Uh, and I think that it's a movie that still works. I usually like to watch it with Fright Night, which came out two years earlier and Near Dark, which came out after. Uh, and I still kind of, and actually I'll throw Vamp in there too. I kind of really look at that time almost as a golden age of vampire films, even werewolf films. But Lost Boys um, has always been one of my favorites. And, you know, there were, there were some more graphic scenes, uh, more horrific scenes that they cut out. Uh, to, I guess to keep the PG-13 rating. It would be nice if they could have kept them, uh, you know, and restored them. I have a director's cut, but, you know, it is what it is. It still works very well. I love the cast. I think that they did very well with it. And, uh, you know, it's a movie that I revisit often to this very day. All right, we are back. And so today we are talking about The Lost Boys. Um, the Lost Boys is a 1987 film directed by Joel Schumacher. And it is, I mean, it's iconic. If you ever want to think of like a vampire movie that could even come close to like the Draculas and stuff like that, Lost Boys would be one of them. Lost Boys was you know, like what Twilight tried to be for the generation um, and probably was for certain people. But like Lost Boys was that film. Um, Lost Boys was just a... There's not a, really another film like it. I mean, they try to achieve that level of just awesomeness and, you know, how they layered everything together and kind of made you doubt a couple things in there not going to spoil anything but made you doubt a couple times of like who's the head vampire and you're like nah I can't be that person and yeah they definitely pull some red herrings the other thing about this is it does show you the importance of uh, music in films because the mm -hmm. soundtrack in this 
is pretty really phenomenal com- uh, compared to that. And there are just some, just some great pieces and parts and things to this movie that I think could only come through the lens of such a great, I mean, director and also to um, the cast. I mean, th- these are a lot of people that had just like started popping off mm-hmm. or was in the process of doing so. Um, and so it really lends perfectly. Um, and, you know, when you think of Twilight and sparkly vampires, I don't think of it that way. I think of Lost Boys because like when the vampires die, they like explode and it's like glitter blood. And um, it is just the coolest thing ever. Like it's I, not like I roll on, it's not the roll on glitter that you put on your like face and it's like glitter, no. it's craft glitter. It's like, it's everywhere. Yes. So, um, so yeah, definitely. And you know, for me, I love this film growing up. I think as an outside feeling like an outsider growing up in school and stuff like that. Um, I could definitely relate to the feeling that a lot of the characters had um, and feeling like they don't have a place and being allured into that kind of belonging. Um, I remember, go ahead for me. They could lure me in. Yeah. Oh yeah. Most, most definitely like most definitely. Um, But, you know, I remember being able to pick my own books like I think I was 13 and they let me run wild in um, a bookstore like that was going on a sale or something and I was able to buy a bunch of books and I remember finding a vampire encyclopedia I talk about this all the time but the one thing that got me about the vampire encyclopedia is they had a picture of David on the front where he's like full snarl and I was like oh shit I need that right now, right now. Um, so, and I know people had some of the similar experiences. My mom had a friend. Um, and I remember when I was watching Lost Boys one day and she was over and she came in and she's like, you're watching Lost Boys? And I'm like, yeah. She's like, oh my God, I was obsessed with that growing up. She was like, I was a teenager and I would literally like draw figure, like I would try to draw them on my notebook and stuff like that. And I just love them. I wanted to be them. And I'm like, yeah, it it has that quality where you just want to be part of them. You know, they shout like one of us, one of us, you know, it really does make you feel like, okay, I want to be a lost boy, but that comes with a price. And it definitely does a good job of showing you like you want to belong, but how much are you willing to pay to do so? Um, so I think it's, it's so unique in concept and stuff like that. And it's just, uh, it's a national treasure. If anything deserves to be protected, Lost Boys is up there. Um, and it just, they, there's so many references and so many pieces and parts that I think are just so meticulous that I just. I feel like the pop culture of like the eighties. Yes. A big part in it. Yes. Yes. And it was very like a capsule of like fashion and stuff like that like everyone wanted to be a part of it so it really it does have a lasting legacy like I know I I look at certain like pieces from the film and stuff like that like the sunglasses and things like that I'll see like versions of it in the store and I'll be like oh my god it's like the lost boy sunglasses and stuff like the Ray-Bans and stuff it's so cool and I feel like a tool saying that but (laughs) I mean really you're like oh my god it's so cool 
Um, but you know, I think it's just, it's a, a testament, you know, vampires are already outsiders, but then you make adolescent vampires and horny ones and horny ones with emotions and feelings and unchecked mm-hmm. power and you know power. yes and you know the santa carla the boardwalk plays a huge part of that and that's just beautiful and beautiful music, i know we touched on i know we said the music but literally the music yes especially when the saxophone players all like oiled up a baby oil and it's just like I always like rocking it out and actually the person who you were telling me this that the person who was playing the saxophone played for other famous artists like like Tina Turner Tina Turner yeah he was Tina Turner's saxophonist and I mean like that man literally left his whole entire fucking plate on that movie like he I I laugh because there is a genuine there's a TikTok that somebody did and I'll have to find it and um say something to the original creator about it but it was literally like uh Joel Schumacher making Lost Boys and he's like going through and seeing like which everything he has and stuff like that and he's like you know what it's missing and then it puts a clip of him this motherfucker right here and it just like things like that it just does but I mean that man went hard on that saxophone like he was playing like every inch of his life (laughs) yes so um if you have not watched Lost Boys um go and watch it immediately come back and join us in our thoughts but for those who have buckle up because we're about to do a synopsis again don't come for me I'm not going to tell you the whole thing And I might not be the best in explaining things, but um, a girl can try. (laughs) Um, But this is, I mean, it's a great movie. Uh, Jim loves this movie because of the music. And uh, I know like some of his favorite artists are on here too. And it's good placement of music too. And I'll explain that further when we get along. Yeah. So, but okay. To synopsis, The Lost Boys. Um, We start with a very vague scenario where someone is getting followed by something and then killed. And then we go smack dab into two brothers getting relocated with their mother from a recent divorce. And they go to their grandfather's house who he's, he's kind of a character. He's a character. He makes a movie. Yeah, he, he, he does. He, he has some lines that just if it was any other character but him, they would not land. They would no. not land. <laughs> so, uh, you know, Michael and his brother uh, are definitely um, trying to adjust. And, you you know, you get the sense that this has all just been very hard on them and they're just trying to move forward. Um, so, you know, we cut to Michael and Sam, his brother, um, going to the boardwalk with their mom. Lucy and she's trying to find a job Michael and Sam are just kind of like it's the boardwalk they're trying to have fun and that's when Michael sees Star and um, Sam kind of busts his chops for it in the meantime Lucy she finds a lost child there's a whole scene and she meets Max um, who's a video store owner she gets a job from him and um, Michael you know he's still stalking Star um 
I shouldn't say stalking because that sounds incredibly creepy, but he's following Following. her. (laughs) And then that's where we find David and his group of guys. Uh, She jumps on the back of a motorcycle with them. And we think, oh shit, man, your, your goose is cooked. And in the meanwhile, Sam kind of ventured off on his own, found a comic book store and gets introduced to the Frog Brothers who kind of intimidate him and say, hey, there's vampires here. And he's like, uh, you're crazy. I'm going to pass. You're weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, they're all just kind of mitigating through this. And so the next night, you know, we got the saxophone player. He's given every inch of his life. He's, you know, it, it's a whole vibe. The whole concert, everyone's just, just enjoying it, just living it up. And, you know, Star comes in with her crazy hair and she's just all about that life. And, um, yeah, Michael's just got her the hot hair spot. is straight up goals. Uh, of, I like, agree. the waves and just how, like, when it's poofy, you think it's frizzy. But on her, it didn't look frizzy. It looked like it was well-maintained. And it's just like that straight up hair goals. Just she had like an 80s version of like a gypsy almost going on in this It film. was almost like a blowout, but an 80s version. And it looked like it was just really good. So yeah, good. most <laughs> definitely. And so, you know, this whole cat and mouse game keeps going on with Star and Michael. And then finally he ends up... Uh, talking to her and he wants to like take her on a ride that's when we get introduced to david there's like a whole chase scene introduced where we get the lou graham song lost in the shadows and then they kind of like duke it out with each other for a minute um i mean keith i mean david keith sutherland who plays david um he i mean he takes that punch like a, a champ man uh, mm-hmm. Michael clear cut decks him and he's like oh I'm good and it's I mean, just like when you get hit and someone turns and smiles at you after getting hit you 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 fucked up you better run some you better go somewhere because shit's about to get real yeah and so you know they he gets taken into their lair which is a uh abandoned hotel that fell through the crack when um san francisco had the uh big earthquake Mm -hmm. and um so they get into this they kind of fuck with michael for a little bit that's where we get the it's only noodles michael and you know the maggots and stuff he's kind of fucking with his mind and uh michael's like what the fuck is going on so they present him with the wine and star clearly tells him it's blood don't Don't drink it and he's like yeah but they played that trick with me on the noodles so I'm just gonna so he drinks the blood and again this is another reference to how great the music was played in this it really yeah don't drink the. (laughs) if somebody hands you a really interesting bottle and is trying to get you to drink it pretty heavily pass just just random stranger advice um but he drinks it and while he's drinking it we get kind of uh the musical uh interlude of cry little sister um which is amazing um and we come back to that in a different scene um 
but you know, Michael does not know what he did. And so, um, you know, his mom is kind of sick and tired of his shenanigans and tells him, Hey, you got to watch your brother. She's still trying to date Max throughout this whole thing. Um, even though some really like fucked up things <laughs> happen that probably would make most people go, but I, you know, when we get towards the end, it makes sense. Um, so, but, um, you know, he kind of starts realizing that something's going on with him. He ends up kind of almost trying to attack his brother, the Nanook, who is the OG in this one. Cause yeah. he really, yeah, he, he knows something's going on and he takes no shits when it comes to that. Um, he stops him and that's when Michael realizes that he's changing and he's like, you know, what happened? Like what happened to me? And so he goes and talks to star, they get it on, which is then when we get the other cue of cry little sister, which is perfect in that scene. And, um, you know, while this is all going on, like I said, Max is still into Lucy and they're still, you know, trying to date and, uh, Sam, you know, he's trying to figure out who the head vampire is and he thinks it's Max. And so he ends up trying all these things with the frog brothers at a dinner where he like puts pure garlic on the guy's spaghetti and it, it just doesn't work out. So Max is not the guy. So, um, you know, it, it becomes this whole thing. And then David ends up taking Michael, um, to a place and we're kind of confused what's going on. And then they vamp out and just kill a whole bunch of people. And they're like, hey, you're one of us now. Let's just do this. And it's like, ah, no, no, thank you. So, um, you know, throughout this, Sam, you know, the Frog Brothers are like, just kill your brother. And Sam's like, I can't do that. And like, it really is a testament to like the relationship between the two characters, because this whole time Sam is just trying to save his brother. Um, and so we have a scene where you know, Sam and David are talking and they're trying, uh, Sam and Michael are talking and they're trying to figure things out and star comes in. And, um, my, one of my favorite parts of the whole movie is when he like calls out to her from the window and is like, don't kill anybody until we get back to you. And I'm like, oh shit, that's ridiculous. So they kind of figure out, okay, we need to do something. So they armed with grandpa's car and the frog brothers Sam and Michael decide to go into the, the lair and uh, they get Laddie, um, the little boy, and Star out. And the Frog Brothers and Sam decide they're going to go find where the vampires are. And um, they're thinking, oh yeah, they have coffins. And so they soon realize that that's a really uh, egregious mistake because they're hanging upside down from the ceiling like bats like bats and um so they end up killing one of them and it starts a whole shit stuff shit storm so they realize that now the rest of them are coming after them and they got to get prepared so there's a whole montage of them like crushing garlic getting holy water like really arming and the it bathtub up. right so the then bathtub when, of holy water. Yes, the bathtub of holy water. So then and when garlic. yes. So then when the time comes, they realize uh like 
they're coming. So um, we have some really good fight scenes between the Frog Brothers and one of the vampires. And again, Nanook kind of is the OG and helps out with that. We have a really good fight scene between Sam and um, the other uh, vampire. Um, and mind you, the vampire, like David, Michael, and all the other vampires in this, like they are literally sporting some like biker goth chic going on. Um, like the one is shirtless the whole entire time with a motorcycle jacket on top of it with like chains and stuff like, like they are really given the whole fashion bit in this. Um, but we get death by TV or death by stereo, stereo. Sorry. death stereo. by stereo in this. And then David and Michael face off and it is a whole entire fucking mood. Like they just, they go after each other and it comes to the conclusion that Michael ends up killing David and he, you know, vampire, they say vampires die differently in the movie and he goes back into his original form. And unfortunately, Michael has not changed back and he's fully vamped out. So Star kind of hides him. Mom's freaking out the whole time about this on a date with Max. They come piling in and then surprise. And if you have not watched the movie by this point, please exit out. Don't listen to this. Um, <laughs> but surprise, Sam was right all along. Max is the head vampire and he is literally been trying to recruit Sam and David, uh, Sam and Michael. He had David go get Sam and uh, go after Michael. So then Michael would then turn Sam. And so Lucy would have no choice but to join the family and take care of his lost boys. Um, and so some whole calamity like breaks out and he ends up getting a hold of Sam and, you know, Star and David had tried to like, Star and Michael had tried to like help and uh, that didn't work. So he gets a hold of Sam and Lucy feels like she has no other choice. And in cues, grandpa mows that motherfucker down and they get him in the fire and he is toast, man. And, you know, they're all relieved. They're happy. They're moving on. And grandpa just is walking and they're like trying to talk to him. And he's like, you know what I, the thing I hate most about this town is the fucking vampires. And they're like, motherfucker, you knew about this the whole goddamn time and didn't tell us? Like, what the fuck? And that's just how the movie ends. I mean, if you think about it, if he would have led with that, they probably would have put him in the home or into a psychiatric unit and then he wouldn't have been able to save the day. Then everyone would have turned into vampires. So... I don't know. That's it's definitely a him type thing. Like, yeah, I mean, character. Oh my god, when he says that, he's just like, and he walks in to the kitchen and gets a root beer and starts drinking the root beer, and then just it's curtains. It's the end, and then you get the credits, and yeah, yeah. That's I mean, in a short little bit, but definitely watch it it's 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 worth a watch (laughs) definitely it definitely is worth a watch so the whole undertones of this movie is exactly like what I was saying is you know you feel like an outsider how far are you willing to go to feel like you belong you know they really draw David uh, David draws Michael in 
sorry, I'm stumbling over my words a little bit, but um, David draws Michael in because, you know, it's, he feels like, okay, I just want to belong. I just want to be cool. And um, he really does a good job of like making Michael question who he is as a person. And I think that speaks a lot to like peer pressure. And, but this is peer pressure on a vampiric level. <laughs> like, yeah, I was going to say, it's just peer pressure on steroids, basically. Pretty much. And, you know, his whole thing is, is I just really like this girl and I just want her to like me. And that, you know, he gets involved with this whole situation. And it's just, it's crazy. Um, really is. And it just shows you how far you're willing to go. And like I said, you know, it kind of plays an entendre on the Lost Boys, because obviously the Lost Boys are Peter Pan, uh, you know, and it's a group of kids who never want to grow up. And that's what kind of, you know, when Max says his Lost Boys, um, that's kind of what he's referring to is, you know, these are obviously, you know, juveniles that didn't want to grow up. And they took the chance at immortality and, you know, I kind of glossed over it, but the big part about this is like Laddie and Star, they've been fighting that for a long time. Like they got sucked into and they've been fighting it for a long time, but they're starting to lose steam by the time Michael comes in. And that's why she kind of lures him in is like he at, at first glance was supposed to be like her first kill her first victim that makes her an actual full-fledged vampire right. and she doesn't do that um and he ends up becoming one of the lost boys and um i guess pseudo because he never fully like turns into yeah. a lost lost boy yeah but like you find out that there was a whole other meaning to that though that you know max is the head vampire and he wanted lucy so he sent david after michael and it was his whole intention for him to take over both of her sons in order to lure her in and it's kind of funny and i know they bring it up but the whole reason they named um her character lucy was after lucy westerna from dracula and it was kind of that whole vibe of like you know Max is kind of that Dracula figure that's trying to draw her in and make her part of him um, and the lengths he's willing to go to do that. So um, it's very interesting. And the, the whole Peter Pan aspect of it is definitely another layer of it, you know, where you see these people who just like they're stuck in where they're at and they they don't want to go past it. And um, not really being accountable for the reality. And, um, you know, Michael is allured by that. Uh, you know, he doesn't want that. He, he wants to, you know, do the same thing. So it's very interesting, the layers that they bring to this film and how it is. And, you know, this is the first time that we see the Corys together, Corey Haim and Corey Feldman. And they were a popular fixture in the 80s. So... Um, and it's crazy because they almost were not in this film together. Um, apparently, um, and this is just allegedly, and we'll get into the other part of that in a minute. Um, but apparently, uh, Corey Feldman, uh, who played Edgar Frog, he wasn't almost in the movie. Uh, at the time he was struggling with drug abuse 
at a young age and showed up to work coming down from a cocaine binge. And Joel Schumacher was upset that he kept dozing off. And um, so he fired him initially, but then hired him back the next day after he apologized and swore to come prepared from now on, from then on. And he did. But so I say that not as like a scandalous part, but I really want to bring that up because I do think people incorrectly malign the Corys. Um, They've done so for years before the whole Me Too movement. Um, But we have to think about child actors and how, you know, they're managed. We see that now, uh, you know, Jeanette McCurdy has a really good uh, memoir out right now about it and about her experiences with Nickelodeon. And there have been other child stars that have said that. But um, the Corys, unfortunately, were victims of that they you know gained notoriety pretty early on and were not managed well and um kind of how like we saw with judy garland when she did uh wizard of oz and they made her go through certain things with not eating and different things like that you know they were fed drugs a lot to continue to perform and stuff so no wonder they got hooked and then also too you know the allegations of sexual assault uh, sexual misconduct that happened to them when they were younger um, by various people in the film industry. Um, and they weren't taken seriously by that, which is so sad because their, yeah. inno- their innocence was robbed from them. So the fact that like that kind of spilled over onto this, I'm so glad that he like that he was able to be a part of this movie and stuff like that. But, you know, I don't think for, for many years, people just thought they were hot messes. And they didn't look at them as people and see kind of what they had gone through. And I'm not saying this is like personal experience with the Corys, obviously, because now Corey Haim is no longer with us and Corey Feldman is. Um, But I mean, just from everything that I've seen, they just have gotten improperly maligned over the years about, you know, their drug addiction and stuff like that. And not really seeing like what truly they had gone through until after, you know, Me Too and everyone came forward about sexual assault. And we started seeing more men come forward with sexual assault. And then that's when they were taken more seriously. Yeah. With this, how you were saying, um, it's sad. It truly is because they weren't seen as children. They were seen as a meal ticket or they're seen as a form of income for whoever was managing them whether it was their parents or a manager and it's sad that they didn't get to have like a childhood they had work i mean some children love it they love acting but the pressure yeah most definitely i mean like unreal we see it now, like if, if every, anyone who's listening to this, if I grew up with Elvis, okay. My, my grandmother, my great grandmother loved Elvis. My grandmother obviously was into Elvis because of my great grandmother, but you know, with the new Elvis movie that came out, Colonel Tom Parker, like he really, he did have a big part on why Elvis crashed and burned. And rightfully so that that's coming to light. Like, you know, that's been an 
a storyline for years. But the fact that 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 actually is now like people are realizing that yes, Elvis made did make some poor choices, but also look at the situations that he was put in. Like it really does disturb me sometimes that people think that drug addiction is a choice. Um, Drug addiction is not. Um, Drugs are addictive for a reason. They have addictive properties and it's not something that you can just turn off. And it's very hard to choose sobriety, choose that path. Um, And I'm not saying that that obviously like foregoes what people do, like when they're on drugs and stuff like that. I think people who have had those situations happen they are aware of it and they, they deal with the repercussions of it once they are sober, but it just, it really does like, especially in this case, when they were so young and introduced to it, like, of course, they're going to have substance abuse problems. They're treated like adults at the age of like, you know, six, eight, like, you know, whenever they started getting into acting and continually just push to perform. And that's a lot of pressure for a human, but then a, a child on top of it, that's like a whole other level. So, um, I really, um, I'm really glad that now we're seeing him in a different lens, uh, Corey Feldman. And I wish that people would have seen that before Corey Haim died. Um, and I, you know, I really am glad that like, I know Lifetime let him do a movie where it was talking about like the two quarries and they, and they did a whole movie showing about like all that they went through and stuff. And I think he did a movie separately where he actually went through and they, he talked about the people that like did, you know, sexual assault and stuff like that. Um, But I mean, like that was his life's mission to make sure that people knew that his friend um, wasn't just this bad person. Um, right. And, you know, I don't think that that's, I'm glad that people are seeing that through that lens now. Um, because I, I do feel like that's a lot for an adult to deal with, but then someone who's coming into their own as an adolescent and then like a teenager and stuff like that, even in the, like throughout the message in this movie, you know, that's a lot to deal with. So, you know, I, I'm just glad that now we know more of the story. Um, so I just don't like that people associated with them at that time, like that, oh, they're this hot mess. And, you know, it, I understand people make choices, but you have to understand too, the trauma and the level of things that people go through. So I feel like that was a tangent, but that's just, I, I know it was an important tangent because it, now that, like you said, stuff is coming out, the Me Too movement, like we're seeing that, you know, like I had mentioned earlier, these kids that are chose or sometimes it's not a choice from their parents just make them go into acting. It's their kids at the end of the day, not property, not adults, their kids, and they should be treated as such, not as a form of income. Yeah. And I think a lot of people lose sight when they get into acting and they do these different things and they get to a level of notoriety. Um, and I think that's why we see a lot of people have issues because 
it's like they don't get to focus on who they are as a person because now they're a property. They're part, you know, they're part of Disney. They're part of Nickelodeon. They're part of this or that. And franchises. Yeah. And so they're no longer able to be them. Um, so I think people are identity. Yeah. I think people just need to keep that in mind when they see things like this, or when they hear things about like that with the quarries and with anyone that deals with issues is you need to understand what they've, they've gone through and not pass this harsh judgment. Cause at the end of the day, they're people. And, um, you know, obviously this probably isn't something they want to be dealing with. Right. So, um, you know, it's so, I think it is a very important, um, conversation. So I, um, the actors in this movie though, are insane. Um, some of them had to be talked into it. Um, I know in my notes that, um, Keith or Sutherland, like he, what he had to be talked into, um, this role, like he originally was reluctant to do it. But then when he heard that in excess and Jimmy Barnes, were going to sing some of the songs on the soundtrack he was in it because he, you know, he spent a summer in Australia and when he was a kid and he heard their music. So he was down for it. But then also too, um, Jason Patrick, who plays Michael, um, he wasn't keen on playing the role of Michael because he didn't want to be in a vampire movie where he was quote unquote, wearing fangs and flying around. Um, it took several meetings with Joel Schumacher to persuade him to play the lead character. Um, I can kind of see where he would see that because on paper, when you originally get the concept of Lost Boys, it sounds a little crazy, but- A little out there. <laughs> a little out there. But um, it, at in essence, like it, it's all about character development and building it up. And so, you know, on paper, you, you can only see- so much so I think obviously having to kind of be talked to and especially if you're a young star on the brink of you know breaking it and stuff like that like you know this this movie ended up being a big breakout role for both Keith or Sutherland and Jason Patrick and everyone involved um mm-hmm. this was like the movie of the 80s um one of the movie of the today. 80s and still is today like people bring it up all the time um so I, I could see why he could kind of be like, oh, well, I don't know about that. And then maybe like eventually being like, yeah, I could kind of see where you're coming from that. Um, and it's crazy because Joel Schumacher, the music that was in this film and the way he directed it, that ended up being one of the reasons why Andrew Lloyd Webber let Joel Schumacher um, do Phantom of the Opera because Joel Schumacher was the director of the Phantom of the Opera film um, with Gerard Butler who is obviously one of my favorites um, but he uh, who is another vampire obviously in Dracula 2000 but um, I could see why that why Andrew Lloyd Webber would be impressed because I mean he really is very meticulous about putting certain music into it and I mean, it's a very contemporary, it's not your, it's not your dad's Dracula. You know what I mean? It's not, 
it pays homage to the Universal Monsters and to the OG Dracula, but it's its own film. It's 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 fresh, it's current, it's injecting it into the time. And I think that's why we've had such a hard time replicating that because it's just, it's almost on, you know, you can't remake it. You just you really can't. You can't. It's just one of those films. And I think that's why it's felt flat. You know, for years there has been movement about trying to do it. There was even a, a plot a pot, a pilot filmed for WB where they were going to do a Lost Boy series. And we're talking about the, the you know, WB having, you know, the originals and uh, Vampire Diaries and having, you know, some vampire series and stuff like that. Um, but it just didn't fly. And they ended up scrapping the project. Now there is talk that they're going to be doing a remake and they've casted some people. We'll see how that lands. Um, I mean, if they do it nowadays and kind of push forward, I could see how maybe that could work. I mean, I'll watch it either way, but yeah. I just feel like it's it's going to be kind of hard to par up with that. I, I think if they take the idea behind and do like a fresh take on it, but if you're going to do a shot for shot... I don't think that's really going to pan out so well for them. Just my opinion. Yeah. Because um, you can't really cre recreate something that it has been a favorite to a lot of people and have the same reaction to it. Yeah, I mean, they've tried. I mean, the they had two sequels um, that came out later. I remember when these came out, um, The Lost Boys, The Tribe. Um, and I mean, that's all right, but um, it's not the greatest. Um, the care, I will say though, the one thing that was kind of cool, they brought the Frog Brothers back, number one. Number two, Keith or Sutherland's son, well, both of them at one point um, were in it. So Angus Sutherland played, I think, the lead vampire in the new one um, in the tribe, which I thought was kind of interesting. And it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad, but it just it wasn't, just wasn't the, the same. same. Yeah. And um, it's OK. It, you know, I understand. And, uh, you know, it, it's it's worth a watch, but. It's definitely on par. And then the the next one that came out, um, which was Lost Boys, I think the Thirst, um, was directly about the Frog Brothers and um, Corey uh, Feldman's character. Um, and that ended up having, again, uh, Keith or Sutherland's son in it but this was more focused on the the Frog Brothers and how um, you know now um, Alan Frog uh, the other Frog Brother was a vampire um, and we got a glimpse of that at the end of the other one um, so it's it, it's interesting 
but I'd be interested to see how they take on that. I obviously there's big shoes to fill. I don't know if it's going to land, but I would hope. I mean, if you're going to take something on like that, I would hope that you would understand the source material and that it would just be something that would be taken very politely, <laughs> for lack of a better term, and put in a very better, a different lens. So if they're taking it into now and kind of doing the same, sort of some of the same things, but pushing it into now and in a fresh direction and stuff like that, that might be worth the watch. But I mean, the original is the original. And I, I right. hardly see the film towering up to the original. I've been surprised. Let me say that. I mean, we, we had Candyman. And then the follow-up to Candyman with Nia DaCosta. And that was a complete and total slam dunk, just uh, chef's kiss. We've seen that with some other films that they've come and take on. The Thing, you know, we talked about that recently. That was in 2011. And they, they marketed themselves like they were going to be a sequel. And it wasn't. And um, it's a very fresh take, I think once you know the context of it. So I hope it it falls in line with that. But, um, you know, it's just such an iconic, iconic movie. It feels like home. I really think that's what a lot of people relate to. They see themselves in those characters. And, you know, all of them had such good chemistry. And um, Keith or Sutherland, he's just one of my favorites. I mean, I know he's had some issues here and there with things and stuff like that. But like when he comes into the horror genre, a lot of times he gets some pretty slam dunks. I mean, mirrors is just chef's kiss. Like people overlook mirrors all the time, but mirrors is a wonderful movie. Um, one we will be talking about in the future. Um, but it's just, it's so great and obviously this was your first time watching it yes um so how did you feel about it watching it I for one the music the saxophone just the soundtrack of it is just something that I would probably add to my playlist as just getting stuff done around the house like or just vibing out to it it's just something that's not just for the movie. It's something that you can bring into your everyday playlist, or if you have it like an '80s playlist, it's it's really good. Um, I want to be one of them. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I wouldn't me, mind. <laughs> for me personally, like Keith or Sutherland as David he could get it but I was a Michael girl like him with those with the sunglasses and then the oh. earrings I mean yeah you could you could understand I mean star I get it girl like you've had both mm -hmm. it's I get it girl I get it um but you know yeah it is like the cry little sister is my favorite song mm -hmm. and really honestly that is such a well done song and it's crazy because uh Gita Mack who is Gerald McMahon um he wrote the uh Cry Little Sister to the movie after only reading the script 
uh, scrooped, 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 um, <laughs> ripped, and uh, he, he didn't even see a frame of the film, but somehow managed to get this like seriously melodic undertone at, oh, involved with this like hard hitting, like just 80s vibing, like new age song. And it's really this like ju- really good juxtaposition of like the loss of innocence. Like it's this innocent sounding melody. And then he's talking about like, like fallen angel kind of vibes is what his lyrics like if, are. If you're not a vampire kind of watcher, mm-hmm. you don't have to be to like the music. You can just like 80s music or you know whatever your taste in music is i don't even think you have to be a vibe out to it yeah i don't even think you have to be a vampire fan to watch this film or even a horror fan to watch this film i think this film the thing that's so you only see fangs once once or twice you don't see them like vamp out you it's all I mean you see it a couple times but you see it a couple times but it's almost like Alfred Hitchcock where it's the psychological part of it where you fill in the blanks yourself yeah you you kind of it's more about the allure like they they really do a good job because like the I didn't talk about it but like the scene where after he drinks the um the wine where they go in on the bridge and they're like holding on to it and he like he's like we're gonna die and they're like just let go and it's really like that peer pressure moment that seduction of like being brought in to this and how that's going to translate going forward and um the profound effects that then ripple on because then you know you see him and it kind of how it's taking shape and then his mom kind of gets upset with him and then you know he's watching over his brother and all of a sudden the bloodlust hits him and you know and also too the they really did a good job at the relationship of sam and michael as brothers because that could really yeah. i mean if they didn't have such a strong chemistry with that it really would have fell flat um because that's kind of one of the big pegs that hold up this film so it's just a lot of really good character oh. acting on all oh. ends his brother sam was his anchor to his humanity it he truly was i mean yes he loved his mother but the the bond of brothers was stronger than the lure of being a vampire yes and you know the santa the santa carla um boardwalk that's santa cruz california and that's an actual boardwalk they still every year will um, screen Lost Boys for free. Um, people go to it all the time. I follow um, this guy on TikTok. I'm going to post his name again. I'm massively on TikTok, but he actually like, um, I think they call themselves the Grave Babies or something. I don't know. The Grave Babies or I don't know, but he he transforms as a vampire and stuff like that but he went there and he was showing like all the vibes and stuff but so like those are actual like places like the comic book store that's an actual place that still exists the comic that was the vampires the if you're going to san santa cruz it's an actual comic book store called the atlantis fantasy world comic book store 
and they have like you are about to say the original issue of vampires everywhere and they have the cast sign it on the inside i mean i don't blame them i would have done the same mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah and i'm sure they i'm sure they were like yeah hell yeah we'll do this um so it's it's just kind of i eventually i want to go there and i actually think i'm gonna double check this but i actually think in um us that is the same boardwalk i want to say it is because it's a lot of the same landmarks yes i think it is it's the same i'm going to fact check this um yes they did um so according to imdb like the lost boys several key scenes take place on the santa cruz boardwalk this even referenced in universe when Adelaide's mother says, you know, they're shooting a movie over there by the carousel. So um, when the, in the beginning of us, um, if you've never seen us, don't listen to this. Um, please go watch it. It's, <laughs> it's another, amazing. It's another, it's another yes. watch. But um, when she actually goes into the, um, the maze, um, that's part of the Santa Cruz uh, boardwalk, and they're actually referencing the fact that Lost Boys is being shot there. So it's like in this, it's supposed to be somewhat in the same time frame. Um, so, and obviously, then things happen from there. Um, but Lost Boys is referenced a lot in pop culture and um, taken a lot. I mean, it's a very popular, people have tattoos, merchandise. The only thing that I have a little bit of an axe to grind with Lost Boys is the fact that there isn't as much plus size merchandise because I can, I hardly ever can find anything for Lost Boys for me that would fit. Um, And that's a shame because I, I love the Lost Boys and I would tote that everywhere. So, you know, Torrid plus size companies, if you're listening, please give us some more obscure or merchandise because um a bitch is thirsty for it so which is it's crazy so thankfully there are really great small businesses that do this and i had this commission before we did this episode but our friend ashley causey um her mom has a company called bless your heart um that does different cups tumblers stuff like that and i have never seen a lost boys one done So I came to her and I was like, hey, I really want a Lost Boys one. I don't have any Lost Boys stuff and it irks my soul. Can we make this happen? And um, they they did it. And thankfully, I have the cup right here, um, which I will post on Instagram before the episode comes out. Um, But it is amazing to the down to the glitter blood drip down. Um, It is just a badass cup. So if you want a cup that is like that or something that is not being represented in the horror realm or any realm, hit her up. It's bless your heart on Instagram and she will be more than happy to help you out with it. And she's got some amazing stuff. So uh, please go give that some love. 
And um, I'm just so grateful that they did it because I love Lost Boys and the fact that it is glittery. And even like I said, you know, they talk about the glitter blood um, and how they put glitter in the actual, the fake blood and it made it sparkle and stuff like that and how it was like a different consistency than other fake blood. Um, so it just like gives me those vibes. So the fact that I have a cup that's like, it's got the red glitter blood dripping down. It's just, it's perfect. It's, it's a horror fan's dream. So, uh, please go get her some love that it's an amazing thing, but, um, Lost Boys is everywhere. And, um, you know, I think it really helped a lot of other vampire movies gain steam. I don't think we would have seen as big of an influx of different vampire movies if it hadn't been for movies like this, like where it got really good. Um, you know, we just get some movies after this that are really phenomenal as well. And I don't think they would have been able to get the same traction if it wasn't for movies like Lost Boys. Right. Um, so I think that this is just perfect. And like I said, if you have not watched it, this movie is amazing. Um, please do yourself a favor and go watch it. It is just, it is a time capsule. It really is a time capsule of the times and exactly how it just, you get that feeling of being an adolescence again. And right now, currently, as this is being filmed, it is on Tubi. Um, and Tubi has thousands, thousands of free movies. And I mean, you could just download the app and watch the movie straight up. No strings attached. You don't have to buy a, a, a subscription or anything like that. Um, so go watch it. So, you know, we'll link it put it in the description, do everything we need to do, but, um, just go give it some love, um, from one vampire cart to another. Um, so yeah, I just think, so who's your favorite character? Probably David. My favorite character is Michael. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I could just see a lot of myself in Michael. So I feel like that's a big, Although now that I've gotten older and I've had a child, I kind of relate more to Lucy as well. <laughs> like she's just, yeah. she's just trying to be with it for her kids. And she's just really in over her head at this point. And sometimes I feel that way. I feel it in my soul. And I feel like as I get older, I'm going to relate to grandpa more. I feel like I'm starting to get that point where I just don't give a shit. And I'm going to, I say things that are on my mind, but I feel like when I, as I get older, it's just going to be like that. So, you know, be ready world. <laughs> Cassandra unfiltered, Cassandra unfiltered, sorry. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's amazing. Go check it out. It's on Tubi. Um, and we really hope you enjoyed this deep dive as always. If you have any suggestions, hit us up on uh, Instagram. Um, I'm at the plus size horror barbie 26 and uh zane you're on there as well along with our horror craft podcast page mm -hmm. so if you have any ideas or any suggestions um let us know and i i do at one point we are going to do something i don't know if it's something that's going to end up 
eventually landing on our YouTube channel, but I've had an idea for a while to recreate some iconic horror looks, um, plus size edition. And uh, Lost Boys is at the top of it um, because I think that's just effortlessly cool. Like I wanted to be star growing up. And now that I've gotten older, I want to be one of the Lost Boys. I want to be like that like level of just cool where it's just like the le- the motorcycle jackets with the chains, with the le- jean, everything. I just want it all. I want it all. So, um, so yeah, so it, you know, look out for that in the future. If you have any suggestions for some other iconic horror looks that you think would be interesting to see plus size, let us know. Um, but yeah, enjoy Lost Boys and, um, get lost in the shadows. So, um, until then it's me, Cassandra and Cassandra, sorry. Amazing. And we are the Horrorcraft Podcast and we are out. Until next time, stay spooky. Bye. 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 <laughs>